nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, that is the next section. The the Beatitudes is the introduction or the summary of of the sermon. And 13 through uh, 16 here, this is the description of those that enter the kingdom. Those that are saved, if you have this blessedness in your life, this is how it's going to be demonstrated. The first picture that we'll try to get tonight is that of salt. And uh, he says, ye are the salt of the earth. And we understand that he's talking to those who are Blessed. Now, salt does some wonderful things. The, the next time you have any questions uh, about salt and how important it is, uh, boil an egg and then try to eat it without salt. Uh, some people can do that, but I mean the white of an egg has absolutely no flavor to it at all. If you can get a little salt on there, or, uh, of course, my favorite way for boiled eggs is pickle them in beet juice, and uh, now they're nice and purple, and they have a wonderful flavor to them, and uh, it's good, uh, good stuff. But uh, salt in, uh, in the days uh, of Jesus was a much more precious commodity than it is today. In fact, our modern uh, word salary comes from salt. Uh, the Roman soldiers were given a financial uh, payment as, as their salary, but they were also given a salt allowance. Uh, as those, those soldiers would travel uh, literally hundreds of miles uh, on marches all across the Roman Empire, which stretched well over a thousand miles and almost any direction, uh, they would carry that salt with them and forage off the land. In fact, if you've ever done survival, uh, survival techniques in the wilderness, one of the things that you should put in your survival kit, if you're going to spend uh, time, none of us, no one plans to spend time in the wilderness, but if you're hiking out there, you put salt in your kit. Uh, because it will make your stay uh, much, much more pleasant than if you didn't have it. Uh, it says that ye are the salt of the earth. And the issue that Jesus brings up, but if the salt hath lost his savor. Now, I don't know about your household, but uh, we're, I think we're finally getting past it. Uh, but every once in a while, you used to pick up the salt shaker and nothing would come out. And that was because somebody was sitting there going, uh, uh, licking the top of the salt shaker. 
And, of course, what that did was it glued the salt shaker, salt shaker shut and ruined the salt. Nobody wants salt after somebody has done that. That's pretty sick, isn't it? And But salt that has lost its savor is worthless. It, it says, is thenceforth good for nothing. Now, how many of you have ever used that phrase, good for nothing? Uh, I mean, that's certainly, there, there is no purpose. It says, but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. It's, what it's simply saying here is, that worthless salt, that salt that has lost its savor, isn't even worth a trip to the dump. You just throw it out on the ground, it is gone, it is worthless. And here's what Jesus says, we are the salt of the earth. So let's just start looking at what salt is, and most of us are somewhat familiar with it. Uh, its proper name is sodium chloride. How many of you have ever experienced pure sodium all by itself? Uh, most of us haven't, only in a laboratory. Um, a friend of mine told a humorous story one time about a professor that was a science professor that was nearing the end of his uh, uh, usable professorship. He was losing his mind, getting a little senile, and just having problems there. And there was a, um, a cylinder of sodium, and he accidentally knocked that over, spilling some of the sodium out onto a table. Now, sodium all by itself is an incredibly reactive substance. It is absolutely dangerous. And he said, fortunately, that day, one of his classmates happened to have a little water pistol in his pocket. And he takes that water pistol and aims it carefully when the professor's not looking and puts a little dribble on the table that starts working its way down to the spilled sodium. Now, how many know what happened when the water hits the sodium? It's a, just, it's a small explosion. Filled the room full of smoke, set the table on fire, and, and uh, of course, class was over that day, and everybody had a good laugh, and I think the professor was uh, uh, fairly quickly uh, fired after that, having done such a, a, a dangerous thing uh, in his classroom. Sodium is an explosive. It is highly unstable all by itself. Chloride, different than chlorine. Chlorine is the liquid form. Chloride is a gas. Uh, how many of you have ever heard the term mustard gas? Uh, that was used in World War I. That's basically what it is, chlorine gas or chloride. Uh, it is uh, deadly Toxin, And yet you take this deadly gas and this explosive sodium and you put them together and it's table salt. And if you don't have enough salt in your diet, if your sodium levels in your body go low, you have a heart attack and you die. Um, it's an amazing, if your sodium levels get too high, you take on water. And you drown, literally. Your heart does, anyway. And so, this is an incredibly interesting thing just from its 
characteristics, but salt is necessary for life in uh, the old days. And even today, certain places, you can still get a salt-cured ham. And uh, what they do is they would take those hams and pack them in salt and then hang them in the smokehouse. And, and those hams would keep for a very, very long time with no refrigeration at all. And uh, if you've ever had the privilege of being able to enjoy some of that good old country ham, of course, what you have to do is scrape the salt and the mold and anything else that might be on that surface off and soak it to rinse the salt out of that first layer of meat. But uh, I'll tell you, it's some of the best tasting stuff that you've ever had. And salt preserves. It, it, it retards spoilage. How many of you have ever been working with the salt and get some of the granules on your finger and then wipe an eye? Or be pouring salt into a shaker or something and, and, and you got to sneeze and you breathe in real deep and just suck all that salt right up in your nose there. I mean, it'll burn like fire. It, it's uh, salt... Uh, is, uh, and of course we have the phrase, rub salt into an open wound. Uh, I don't think that one needs much description. It, it, it would be very, very irritating and, and hurtful. And yet we use salt to season our food. But if you've ever put the salt shaker up and someone's loosened the lid and all of a sudden you just pour the whole thing into your bowl of soup, you have to throw it away. It's, you can't even eat it. There's too much salt in there. And sometimes with um, uh, salt will neutralize acid. Salt will put out fire. I mean, there's a lot of things that just good about salt. And it says, ye are the salt of the earth. And so, what we need to understand is, the first thing that Jesus is talking about here is a preservation. There are places on this earth that are, are just terrible beyond our description. Violence and uh, that you are not safe no matter what you do. Uh, and you'll notice that places like that, there aren't any churches. But places where you have lots of good Bible-believing churches, it's a different place to live. Society is different. There is a, an effect that is, is there, that is known. Why? Because when you put a lot of Christians... In a place, they change society. They change the area. Now, we have to be careful here. Jesus is not challenging us to go and remold society like a church service. That's not what he's talking about. But when you have a percentage of Bible-believing Christians living in an area, it does make a difference. It does change it. You do not have... Uh, uh, you can go to places in this world that are full of religious institutions. And yet, the entire place is nothing more than a slum. It is dangerous. It is terrible. The crime rate is 
uh, higher than the population that lives there. I mean, it's just an incredible place. And you can understand these things. Listen. The church is supposed to teach its members how to live holy. Christians living for God hinder the work of sin in an area. And what we need to understand is the true church has always stood for true holiness. But salt is a composite. We talked about that. You know what? The Christian is supposed to be a composite, are you not? I met one of our former members out today, uh, a lady that used to come to our church. Uh, I hope and pray, and I won't give her name, but you just pray that she comes back somehow. But one of the problems is I can't live the narrow way, Pastor. And uh, every time I meet her, she says that, and every time I tell her back, no, you cannot. Only God can live it through you. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. And just like we are no good by ourselves, sodium is an unstable, explosive element. Mix it with sodium chloride, and it's a very useful substance. You, without the Holy Spirit of God living in you, are worthless to the world. And the only thing that's more worthless than an unsaved person is a saved person who's living like the world. That's what Jesus meant when it said, if the salt has lost its savor, it is good for nothing. Uh, an unsafe person, we expect them to act unsafe. Christians are supposed to act like the Lord Jesus Christ would tell us to in His Word. Amen? But when those who are Christians behave like the world, that is a dangerous situation. The, um, if I, I use the illustration here. If salt uh, was separated, it becomes a poison and highly explosive. And look, just a few illustrations here of what happens when the church separates itself from God. We've had how many religious wars going on? How many wars are fought in the name of religion? This is because it is a religious organization that is not connected to the God of the Bible. When you don't have the truth and when you don't want the Bible, what do you do? Well, the Bible says, Blessed are ye when men shall persecute you and revile you. Well, that is the natural reaction and that has been the natural history. We've got people like the United Nations who, who would say, well, the church isn't bringing peace on earth. That is our job. We're going to do that. How many of you have ever studied the history of the United Nations? Uh, if you want to read about terrible evil, read the history of the United Nations. Uh, United Nations peacekeepers are feared throughout the world. Not because they're good soldiers, but because they're good thieves and they're great oppressors and they're good murderers and rapists. And that's, that's what United Nations troops do. Not our, our soldiers when we serve with the United Nations, but that's what many of the soldiers of the other countries do. 
You can read the stories, especially in Africa, as the peacekeepers uh, did nothing to keep the peace, but just to pillage and enrich themselves. It's a terrible story. Well, why do they do that? You see, when we try to build a society that reflects the goodness of God, not attached to God, only the worst in man's nature is going to be glorified and brought out. And that's what happens when salt loses its savor. If salt is exposed to moisture, it cakes up, it loses its taste, it loses its qualities. And I want us to to look here in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, if you would. And the Bible uses the word savor many times. Sacrifices were offered as a sweet savor to God. And by the way, salt was required with the Old Testament sacrifices. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, let's just start in verse 14. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh us manifest, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, in them that are saved, and in them that perish. To the one, we are a savor of death unto death, and to the other, the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Now, Paul uses this same idea here, savor. He says, we are a savor of his knowledge. Now, what that simply means is we are to be a testimony of the knowledge of God everywhere we go in the world in which we live. And God is looking. The Old Testament tabernacle, the picture of prayer was the golden altar of incense, the picture of smell. That is the most intricately tuned and the most sensitive of the five human senses. The the sense of smell can do things that no other senses can do. When we touch something, we can feel whether it's smooth or it's rough, but you can't feel smooth and rough at the same time. When you look at something, you can focus on something up close, you can focus on something, but you can only focus at one point at a time. That's what bifocals are for. Uh, the glass, uh, the long distance allows you to see out and focus in the distance. The bifocal, or uh, as I have my readers here, allow me to focus up close. And, and by the way, Different strength glasses will work at different distances, I have found out. And so, uh, uh, so you have to be very careful with this. But your nose can smell good and bad at the same time. You ever notice that? You ever walk past the bakery and smell the fresh, fresh baked bread? And then the garbage truck drives by. And the fresh baked bread is polluted 
by the smell of New York City sanitation trucks. That's not a pleasant thing, but our nose can do that. God says, listen, here's the savor. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. As Jesus is looking at our life, if we're going to take advantage of these levels of blessing, He is smelling our life. And He wants to smell Jesus Christ. Because those beatitudes, those blessings, is Jesus Christ living in us. Amen? Hello? We still together? It's Jesus living in us. And just as salt has that flavor to it, that, that ability to do those things, so the Christian ought to be a savor of the knowledge of God. Many times, and, and we don't uh, do this all, all the time or, uh, or promote ourselves in any way, but there have been times in my life where people have criticized Christianity and, and and, and criticized and, and told me that, you know, you're just wasting your life. And I said, let me tell you something. You want to match lives? He said, let me talk to you about yours. You know, I've been married to the same wife for almost 30 years. How many times have you been through divorce court? You want to trade? I don't. I'm not trading you. I've got a better life in Christ than any person out there in the world. You know, we, we need to understand that. They can't buy one moment of peace. And yet, no matter what's going on in this world, I can trust in Jesus Christ to get me through. Amen? You cannot buy happiness. You cannot buy satisfaction. You cannot have any of these things that the Bible offers unless you come to God and surrender to Him. You see, the issue is favor. The world, it tells us here, unto them that are saved and in them that perish, to the one we are the savor of death unto death. You know, that's part of the reason why we go out like we do today, passing out tracts on the street. We want to remind those people that are out there that hate God, hate the Bible, don't want to have anything to do with righteousness or God in any way. We want to let them know we're still here. We want to let them, we want to take away their excuse when they wake up in eternal torment, separated from God. I want them, if they've lived here in the story, I want them to know that they had a tract from this church offered to them that would have given them the way to heaven. You know what? People like that are sometimes, we found one of our tracks on the way home all tore up in little pieces and thrown down on the ground. You know what? That's the savor of death unto death. They don't like it. They're angry. They, they will do what they can, but we still have the flavor. Amen? They don't want it, but it's there. I got one, God bless you, passing out tracts. 
And I see Andrew wait, shaking his head up and down, so he got at least one. Uh, you know, there, there are people out there who are saved, and when they see what we're doing, they're, they're glad we're doing it. And so, the, the Bible tells us that just as salt has a savor, we have a threefold savor. Our first is the savor of the knowledge of Christ toward God. The savor of death unto death in them who are not saved. And the savor of life unto life to them who are saved. And verse 17, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. Now, here's one of the problems, and one of the reasons I keep bringing up the purpose-driven group and all of this, is because they are trying to take the Word of God and its message and make it acceptable to the world. One of their little catchphrases is, we're building bridges. I don't want to build a bridge to the world. There is no agreement with the savor of death unto death. There's nothing pleasant about that. And the Bible tells us that well, we're not to be unnecessarily offensive is the best way I know how to, describe, to, to phrase it. But the Word of God is offensive. For, do you remember when you first understood that you were a sinner and you were on your way to hell? Was that a pleasant thought to you? Were you thankful for the person that actually revealed that unto you? You were probably upset. How dare they? But once you understood and turned your heart toward God, then you were thankful for that person. Amen? And we want to understand that there is this issue. We cannot join with the world. To do that is to lose our Savior, is to lose who we are as Christians. I think... Um, what was it? Yes. The name of the music group was P.O.D. It's one of those Christian rock and roll groups. And, and uh, my favorite quote is, they played some of the music from this Christian rock group for Howard Stern. How many of you know who he is? The most vile man on the airwaves today. And uh, he said, wow, that's pretty good. I like that. And they said... Howard, that's Christian. He said, I don't care what it is. I like it. I'll tell you what. That's something that doesn't have a savor. It has a savor of this world. A savor that the world can enjoy. That's not the message of the gospel. You see, if we're going to be that salt, we have to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to hold on. We have to stand fast. We, uh, we just simply need to let the Holy Spirit use our lives to please Him. You see, salt is only good if you use it. Amen? Amen? You've got to put the salt on the food if you're going to taste it. Actually, they tell me it's better if you cook with the salt than try to add it afterwards. Uh, because it flavors better in the cooking pot than it does on the table. Uh, it works as you apply it. 
If you misapply the salt, guess what? You irritate things, don't you? You can actually burn uh, your nose and your eyes and, and uh, any open wound by accidentally or purposely. I don't know why you would do that, putting salt in it. God has a purpose for you and I. That purpose is not in going out and trying to be salt. Jesus doesn't say, be the salt of the earth. He says, ye are the salt of the earth. As so much of our service for Christ really is. There, there are many things in this book called the Bible that, that we could try to attain. Um, I would love to see more people get saved than do. How about you? And I've met people over the years who say, well, listen, I, I, we've got a soul winning program that will teach you how to win souls. And I've had some of those people come up here and visit. I remember one obnoxious fellow in particular claimed to have won 12 souls in one afternoon. Not a one of them ever showed up at church. Not a one of them would even allow a follow-up phone call. Is that Bible salvation, my friend? No. You see, you can try to be a soul winner if you want. But when you share the gospel with people that God brings into your path, when you're prepared and God uses you, then you'll find yourself being that peacemaker it talks about there. So, what, how does that work? We must be prepared. We must know the Bible. And I, I've often said this, if, if you don't know all the verses, just take a church tract with you and read it. Uh, that is more than sufficient. Get one of the John and Romans that we pass out. Carry it with you. And, and if somebody gives you the opportunity, it's marked right there. You can take them right from verse to verse to verse. It, it, everything is right there for you. You have to be prepared. You have to be willing to talk to people. And you have to pray that God will bring them into your path. But only God wins souls. You can try to retard the force of wickedness in our society. But I'll tell you what. If you'll just serve God as he's designated in this book called the Bible, you'll find yourself being the salt. You will automatically become. You will be what God has intended you to be. We don't have to try to be a Christian. What we have to do is endeavor to live the things that Jesus has given us, and you will be the salt. That's the tra uh, trademarks of a true Christian. You will be that savor unto God of Jesus Christ because what's going on in your life, Jesus is responsible for. You will be that savor of death unto death and don't be uh, shocked and don't be amazed if, if someone says things to you or is is very critical of that. That's simply because they are smelling in you that which God designed 
to bring glory to Him. And they don't like it. And when we meet other saved people. It's one of the things I, I love about uh, being able to travel a little bit and go to some of these preachers' meetings. I always meet another preacher or, or some people that I've, I've never met before. I may have heard their name. They may have heard my name and we'll sit down. And in just a few minutes, it's like we've been friends all our lives. Why? Because we have that savor. We have that connection of the Holy Spirit of God living in both of us. And we're trying to serve the Lord together. You see, we don't ever want to be those that corrupt the Word of God and make it palatable to this world. Because then it's no longer salt. But we can't go out and endeavor to try to be salt or try to be saltier. Uh, All we're going to do is offend and be obnoxious. Uh, The world for lack of a better term, the world is full of jerks. Amen? Don't add yourself to the list. Let's go back. Poor in spirit. If I'm mourning for my sin, it's going to be much more difficult for me to be proud and cause contention that is not necessary. Amen? If I'm operating under the authority and the direction of Jesus, that's meekness. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness' sake. Having a pure heart. When I share the gospel, people will hear. And they'll either get saved, I'm a peacemaker, or they'll persecute me. Either way, I'm still blessed. Amen? Either way, I'm still a saver. I'm still salt. As God has designed me to be. And all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight and ask that you would help us. Lord, that we would not endeavor to be salt, but we would endeavor to serve you. And Lord, that you would use us as that salt in this world, in these last days. We'll take just a moment if you need to pray there at your seat or come forward and then we'll get into our prayer time.